Let's uh, get to our passage today. And uh, it comes from Colossians 2, verse 8. We're continuing our series in the book of Colossians. And today it's just one verse. So the Word of God reads, See to it that no one takes, takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I'm going to read it again. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ways that you've been speaking to us through this book of Colossians. We thank you, God, that you always have something to say to us. And Father, we thank you more, even more specifically that you're speaking to individuals within our congregation. You're convicting them of sin. You're bringing us to Christ, helping us to realize that Christ is the only place to get all the answers and to grow and to know you more. We thank you, Father, for the ways that you're correcting uh, things that we maybe we may have like thought wrongly in the past of. And you're bringing us constantly to the truth. Continue to do so today so that we might know you. And God, that you truly might be the Lord and the center of all that goes on, not only in FLM, but within the hearts of every member here. We thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, in the late 90s, who was, who was born? Who, was, who did not exist in the late 90s? That's a terrible, don't, don't raise your hand. Oh man, I, 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 just, I just heard it, that I realized I'm that old. And that you, anyway, in the late 90s, there was this movie called Ransom. Anyone see this movie? Yes, it, probably the older people have. It's, I know it's with all of your favorite Australian actor, Mel Gibson. He's your favorite Australian actor? actor? No? Of course he isn't. Anyway, it's with him. This is when he was like so popular. He was like in every movie. Anyway, this movie was called Ransom, and it's a very simple story. It's basically this rich family, which you know Mel Gibson's the father of. His son gets kidnapped, and the kidnappers call him because they want a ransom. Okay, that's that. And you know the, what's famous about this movie? The only reason why I point this out is because um, uh, the tagline, you know, in the commercial. Like, all you remember about this movie and all you remember about this commercial for the movie is Mel Gibson going absolutely berserk on the telephone, yelling, give me back my son! Okay, that's it. Everybody remembers that from the 90s. Okay, that's just going crazy. And I remember as a, as a single person, as a single 20-year-old, or a single mid-20s, as a mid-20 single guy, I remember thinking when I saw that commercial and when I saw the movie, thinking, hey, kidnapping is bad. It's not good, you know? Kidnapping is a, it's a terrible thing. But come on, Mel Gibson. You know, you're going a little bit psycho here. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit, you're a little bit too intense here. You know, fast forward like 20, 25 years. Now that I have children, I recently saw, you know, that I didn't see the movie, but I saw the promo for that movie once again. And I just thought, oh my gosh, if one of my children were ever kidnapped, going berserk would be like the first thing that I do. You know, I would totally go psycho you know, on whoever took my kid. And I don't think I could even take it. You know, I think I'd loosely, I, I go crazy. And so when I watched that promo again, you know, I judged him so badly 25 years ago. But these days I'm like, that's right, Mel. You know, you give it to him. You know, I totally understand you. I totally get it. 
Being kidnapped is absolutely horrible. Okay, being kidnapped is absolutely horrible. Being torn away from your your family, held against your will by people who don't love you, by people who want to use you, by people who don't, who want to even destroy you. It's absolutely horrific. Wouldn't we all agree? It's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. The thought of that makes me absolutely emotional. Uh, but we would all agree that being physically kidnapped is an absolutely terrible thing. But what do you guys think about being spiritually kidnapped? Right? What do you think about that? Eddie, is that a thing? Is being spiritually kidnapped a thing? It is a thing. You know, what What exactly does that mean? Well, it's very, very similar. It's when someone or something comes along who doesn't love you, who only has your destruction in mind by tearing you away from God and by tearing you away from God's family. We call it spiritual kidnapping. Uh, have you guys ever seen this before? I bet we have. Maybe not as, we, we wouldn't put the label on it, but, you know, we've seen people who actually do love God. You know, if you've been to long, church long enough, you've seen people who actually do love God, people who actually have their faith in Christ, but then something or someone comes along that causes this person to either lose their faith, to leave the faith, to leave the church. And now when you think of that person, where is that person? Is that person vibrantly growing in Christ or is he lost? to the world, to false teaching, to other places. You know, if you've been to church long enough, unfortunately, you probably know one or two people that are like that. That's what we would call spiritually kidnapped, okay? And I'll get to why in a, in a, in a, in a minute or two. You know, I know, you know, maybe some of you are sitting here and you're like, oh, dude, but Eddie, that, that, that language is a little bit radical. I mean, being physically, physically kidnapped is horrific. I mean, a child was taken against his own will, but spiritually kidnapped, it sounds to me that that guy's choosing to leave the faith, right? So, oh man, that kind of vocabulary to throw it in like that, you know, willy-nilly, I think that's a little bit horrific, but it's not. But, but if you do feel that way, let me just say this to you. You know, I think by saying that, I don't think you understand, nor are you acknowledging how powerful and, you know, relentless the enemy is and the intensity of the spiritual war that's really being waged around you and us every single day. You know, last week we talked about this amazing truth, which is the central message of the letter of Colossians, right? Live out your faith just as you were saved. Thankful that Christ reigns as Lord over your life. We said that is absolutely crucial for us to make it to the finish line. But what you need to understand is that the moment Christ became Lord over your life, you became a target of the enemy. Did you get that? The moment that the Lord became, you know, the moment Christ became Lord over your life, you became a target of the enemy. And his only goal is to steal your faith, to destroy the Lordship of Jesus Christ over your life, and to return you to where you were before you even met Jesus. That's what he's going to relentlessly do until we die or until he wins. Do you guys get that? The war is real. 
That's all I'm trying to say here. So when someone loses their faith in order to pursue the things of the world, maybe you've seen that, you know, happen to Christians. Whenever someone loses their faith in order to pursue the things of the world or gets um, led astray in search of, quote unquote, deeper spiritual truths that have nothing to do with Jesus Christ or, you know, quits Christianity altogether to join a cult or something like that. That's when we know that this person has been spiritually kidnapped. Yes, that person chose to do it, but that choice was the result of a very focused attack. And that's what we have to realize. You know, in today's message, Paul shares the first of three warnings to the Colossians. And these warnings are given because Paul knows how easily blessings and how easily our faith can be destroyed by the incessant attacks of the evil one. You know, at the beginning of verse 8, if we look at that, Paul says that we can literally be taken captive by the evil one. And another way to translate that is spiritually kidnapped. You know, that's actually a true translation of that Greek word. We can literally be spiritually kidnapped if we are not careful, which tells us that the evil one is actively seeking to tear us away from God and his family every moment of our lives. That's the spiritual reality, and that's the war that's being waged for our souls. Do you guys get that? Is it a pretty grim, or, or is that a pretty exciting thing to talk about on a Sunday afternoon, right? It is. It's, it's real. That's what's real. Okay, that's what's real. So in our verse today, you know, every New Testament, if you read any New Testament book, I should never ad-lib, I'm going to ad-lib. You know, you know, if you read any New Testament book, there was always going to be hints of the spiritual battle, of the evil one attacking us all the time. Paul knew it, all the apostles knew it, it's acknowledged, and they knew exactly they were fighting every single day. And a lot of times we Christians in our day and age today, we forget that. We think the TV's just the TV, the internet's just the internet, my friends are just my friends. But we don't realize who's going to use those things to influence us the wrong way. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. All right. In our verses today, Paul shares why these attacks will destroy us. There are four reasons, but they all point to one truth. And here's that one truth. The one truth of the reasons why all these false teachings are false is because they are not Christ. Okay. And I'll understand that's actually our fourth point uh, that I'm going to share, but that's the main point. They aren't Christ. Colossians 2.3. Here we go. Colossians 2.3, we started it a few weeks ago. It says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. All, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. What is that saying? It's saying that everything that you need spiritually is in Christ alone. All the treasures. And that's how awesome they are. They're called treasures, right? So he's all that we spiritually need. So if anyone comes along telling that, telling you that you need something, you know, more, anything more or anything different then Jesus, it's false. How is it false? Well, there he describes, Paul describes four teachings. Uh, he describes these false teachings in four ways. And even though what he's describing is to the Colossians in the Colossians context, you're going to discover that all of these transfer very easily to 2021 because the evil one is still using the exact same schemes to try to penetrate our souls and our hearts today. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about. Four ways that these things are false. Number one, the first thing, the first reason why these false teachings are false is because they are hollow and deceptive philosophies. Now, you know, whenever we, you see that word philosophy, sometimes we get thrown off. We're like, oh, you know, Christianity isn't a philosophy, right? I, but back then, the word philosophies was a big thing. It was actually a much broader word than used today. It described back then any system of thought 
that drove how we lived our lives. And so Christianity was a very valid philosophy back then. And Paul is not attacking the word philosophies, but what he is attacking, but what he is pointing out and highlighting is the hollowness and the deceptiveness of the false teachers philosophy. So how were they hollow? How were these teachings hollow? And, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote this point so many times, but I, I realized the best way I could share it is like, if I share a story from when I first came to Sydney, when I first came to Sydney a long time ago, uh, I remember it was Easter time and I, I was walking through one of these stores, Meyer or something like that. And all of a sudden I came across this Easter display and I saw these like chocolate eggs, right? Normal. But I saw this one that was right in the middle of this huge table. It was a huge egg. And the egg was like wrapped up in this colorful foil. You know, it was huge. I mean, we're talking like size of a rugby ball. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was wrapped in this, this colorful foil. And not only that, but it was packaged within like this hard protective plastic. You know what I'm talking about? And it had cardboard around it. It highlights this ridiculous huge egg. It looks like it was a football. But it wasn't. And so I was like, oh, wow. And I saw the price and I said, oh, let's forget that. And then, so what I waited for, I waited for the 90% off after Easter sale. I went back and I bought it. And I was so excited. I brought this thing home. I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, an Easter egg the size of a rugby ball. I, it's time to get fat. You know, it's, it's, it was awesome. So I ripped it open and I tear off the foil. And the thing is, I should have known by the weight. But the moment I was, as I'm tearing off the foil, like my hand goes through it. You know what I'm talking about? You know exactly what I'm talking about. I thought this thing was a solid piece of chocolate, but it wasn't. It's like this thin shell. And when you like open it, it's hollow completely inside. Was Eddie Bang happy that day? No, I don't care if it was 90% off. You know, I was angry. I wasn't just disappointed, I was angry. Because it was hollow. Okay, does that make sense? You know, what's he talking about when he uses this word hollow? Hollow actually means, the word means devoid of any spiritual value. But obviously, if we all knew it was devoid of any spiritual value, why would we invest in it? But the thing is, he knows that people are investing it. Paul knows that people are investing in it, which means that this is what it looks like. These teachings are attractive on the outside. They promise so many great things. You know, they promise deeper spirituality. They promise deeper satisfaction in life and in your future. They promise security and success. But after you you've bought into it and if you've invested yourself in it, you realize that it brings no true spiritual fulfillment. And here's why. And if we go back to Colossians 2.3, here's why. Colossians 2.3 says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found where? In Christ alone. Right? That's what it's saying. So which teaches us that any philosophy or system of thought and teaching that does not place Christ at the center and at the goal of that teaching, and if, that, if the center and the goal of that teaching is not the lordship of Jesus Christ, then that teaching is spiritually empty. It is hollow. It might be attractive. It might capture your attention. But if you buy into it, It'll be spiritually hollow. Spiritual fullness can only be found in Christ alone. And because those philosophies do not have Christ as the goal, they are hollow. How is it deceptive? Not only is it hollow, but it's deceptive, hollow and deceptive philosophies. How is it deceptive? Well, to be deceptive means that it's a lie, which means that it's making promises that it cannot keep. 
right? The Greek word, once again, is very, very uh, weird. It's very unique. It's only used like a few times. And so to understand what this word means, we have to find out where else it's used in the New Testament. And, you know, curiously enough, all, all the other places where it's used in the New Testament, it's always partnered with things like wealth, evil desires, and sinfulness. What's that teaching us? It means that the evil one prays and pounces upon our sinful desires by making empty promises of fulfillment in the things of this world, like wealth, like success, like knowledge, things that aren't bad in of themselves, but when they become the promise of fulfillment and spiritual fulfillment, that's when we know it's deceptive and a lie. I know so many rich people in the church who are lonely. I know so many successful people in this world who are getting counseling for depression. I know seminarians who spend their whole lives studying knowledge and, you know, theology and the Bible, whose hearts are so far away from God. Hearts that were convinced that they would be filled with satisfaction, but currently they're starving for fulfillment. Hearts that were designed to be dynamically driven to worship the Lord is now begging for a pulse, you know? Any system of thought or pursuit that does not place Christ as the center and the goal and does not give Christ his rightful place as Lord is a spiritually hollow and deceptive teaching. It's a spiritually hollow and deceptive philosophy. And if we give into any of them, then one day we may find ourselves devoid of a pulse as well. So can you identify any potential traps in your life that the evil one might use to tempt you away from Jesus? Can you, what are some good things in your life that you might be tempted to value over Christ? These are the applications that I want, that across the board today that I want you to start really thinking about. You know, let's be careful not to fall into any of those traps because we will be deceived and empty. Secondly, false teachings depend on human tradition. What does this mean? I can sum up this one very quickly and we can move on. You know, every false teaching Every hollow and deceptive philosophy is based on human reasoning and human rules. Okay, that's it. That's as simple as that. And the point is this, and this is the point that Paul's making by saying that they're based on human tradition. He, this, is the son, this is the question that he's asking. You know, when the Son of God came to reconcile us, did he give us a philosophy to live our lives by? No. When the Son of God came to reconcile us, what did he do? He gave us himself. And that's the difference. You know, he revealed himself to us. Humans, we can speak like platitudes upon platitudes about what is godly. We can create systems of belief and practices telling other people this is how you become more godly. But God says, no, you just need me. And I gave myself to you fully. And if you have your faith in me, then scripture says that you know, we can know him fully. And infinitely are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge found in Christ alone. And that's what's made available to us. And so none of those compared to God himself. Why would any of us give up God himself to follow a set of human rules and human belief systems when we could just know God and know him and follow him? Human traditions and teachings which are inherently laced with sin, 
can never lead to true holiness. But you being partnered with God every day, that can. And that's what he's invited us into when he reconciled us to the Father, when Christ reconciled us to the Father. So let's do that. You know, there are people in the church who have been so disappointed in their faith in the past. And the reason why, and this is what I've discovered in, in my some of my years of being a pastor, it's because what I realized is they didn't invest themselves in Jesus Christ, even though they'd gone to church for like 10, 15 years. But they invested themselves in what? The traditions and the cultures of their denomination, the traditions and cultures of their you know, particular local church, the traditions and cultures of, their, of these particular theologies. And later they found themselves empty and deceived. Now, please don't understand me. Denominations, they're... On the whole, they're good. <laughs> you know, you know there's some bad things about them. But on the whole, they're good. Theology is good and they're it's helpful and they're tools to help us know God. None of these are wrong or sinful. They're good. But what I'm saying is those are man-made things. They may not be sinful, but what I am saying definitively is the definitively is that they are not Christ. And if we give ourselves to those cultural things, if we give ourselves to those things, anything less than Christ himself, we'll always find ourselves disappointed. That's what I'm saying, you know? And so any human system of thought cannot satisfy. And when we do invest ourselves in those things, sometimes they have the potential to actually replace Jesus as Lord. And if that happens, we'll be bound, we're bound to be satisfied or dissatisfied and dis disappointed in them. Only Christ can satisfy. Thirdly, false teachings depend on the elemental spiritual forces of this world. Once again, this is a very difficult phrase to interpret in the original language. Uh, to be frank with you, a lot of theologians differ on what this actually means. And so uh, after reading all these books, I decided to summarize what I believe most of them might agree to. So here we go, okay? Uh, what does this phrase mean? Elemental spiritual forces of this world. Well, here we go. People 2,000 years ago, they believed that the basic elements of the world had a divine nature. Things like fire, water, wind, stars, you know, moons. You know what I'm saying? Even like if you look at Greek and Roman religions, they had gods for these things, you know? And so they, they believed that all these, you know, elemental things, uh, you know, in nature uh, had a divine uh, nature. And so what people used to do is they used to focus upon those elements in order to understand the divine. Okay? And that's it. But when you look at Christ and his teachings, and when you look at the things that he taught and the way that he ministered, he never focused on the elements of the world, did he? He didn't. What things did he focus on? He focused on things like sin, the flesh, and death. So the question is, why did he focus on those particular things? And the reason why is because those places are the places where the demonic powers of this world still yield their influence today and destroy humans and try to capture us. It's that simple. And the point that Paul's making in this particular phrase is this. He's saying demonic spiritual forces are at work, right? They are preying upon our fleshly desires and our sinful desires to lead us into spiritual death. The moment that you become a target for the evil one, you know, the evil one is not only going to use external things to draw you away from Christ, but his playground really is upon our hearts. 
It's our desires, our sinful desires. That is his playground, and he's going to do everything that he can to play with it in such a way that we will lose Christ as Lord, that we will abandon our faith, and that we'll just seek after other things and consider other things more important. And whenever we find ourselves foolishly giving our allegiance to whatever does not have Christ as Lord within our lives, then you don't want to know what that is? It's a confirmation that those evil forces are still actively at work within us. As if any Christian would choose, oh, I think I'm just going to give up Jesus today. No, no one does that, right? But slowly but surely, we get drawn away. Slowly but surely, we get convinced that maybe Christ isn't the best thing. We don't say that, but, you know, we like something more. Things get more attractive. We give our hearts to other things. And whenever those things happen, and when one day when we wake up, we find that our allegiance is somewhere else besides Christ as Lord, that's when we know that those evil forces were at work and are currently at work within our hearts, Right, So that's why Jesus focuses attention there. You know, in our day and age, we don't worship the elements of the earth. We don't worship fire, water. At least I don't, maybe. you know, Hopefully you don't. Um, but it's almost scarier in our day and age. Why? Because believers today can be tempted to make anything, even good things, the object of our worship. Right? These days we call them idols. That's the common you know, vocabulary we use in church. And, you know, and we take great things, we take good things, but if we invest ourselves and believe that we can find our ultimate fulfillment in those things and invest ourselves completely within it, we become deceived. And the evil one uses those things to draw our hearts away from our faith and upon the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And here are some examples that I've seen as a pastor. I've seen dating relationships absolutely destroy people's faith, right? Something that's good. It should lead to marriage. You know, it's a good thing. But yet people sell themselves out for it. They give themselves fully to this, and so therefore they lose themselves and they lose their faith over it. Things like hobbies and passions, things like education, they sell themselves out for that. Their career, sometimes even church. Yes, even church. None of those things are bad within themselves. But the moment anything replaces Christ as Lord over our lives becomes an idol, they can easily use, be used by demonic spirits to truly steal our faith and heart away from Christ as Lord. Let's make sure that in all that we do, we keep Christ at the center and that our desire is to make him Lord over those areas. Lastly, the last reason why these teachings are false is because they are not Christ, right? If any of those other reasons for false teachings are a little bit confusing at all, this one isn't. It's black and white, right? The reason why they're false is because they're not about Christ, Right? And that's the reason why they are false. Uh, false teachers and the world, they proclaim doctrines, they demand practices that do not depend upon Jesus. You know, we're going to talk about it more next week. We'll talk about why Christ, you know, is true. But the reason why they're false is because they're not about Christ. Why? Because Christ is the only one in whom God can be found. Right? That's it. Right? You know, the verse literally says, in all the fullness of the deity is in him alone. That's what it says, you know, in a few verses. He created the world. He created mankind. He created humans. He's the one who redeemed the world. He's the one that defeated all of the hostile and demonic spirits upon the cross. He's the one that resurrected from the dead, defeating death itself. Christ is the Son of God. Therefore, any of these, any of any teaching or any practice that detracts or deviates from those central fundamental truths are wrong 
and empty. They're hollow. They're deceptive. And we need to be careful here because a lot of Christian churches, I'm going to say this, Christian churches, you know, um, they preach Christ, but they don't preach the Christ of the Bible, you know. And I'm not here to judge any other church or anything like that. You know, I'll just I'll just keep it in the realm of cults. You know, there's a lot of all these Christian cults, they preach Christ, but they preach a false one. You know what I'm saying? And so we need to be careful of that. Because and the thing is, even back in Jesus' day, 2,000 years ago, even back in the, the, the time of Colossians, no one in the church of Colossae, even the false teachers, no one would deny that Jesus Christ is the way to salvation. They all acknowledged that. But what they were saying, which was wrong, was, hey, but now that you've been saved, there's a little bit more that you need. You need something more beyond Jesus in order for you to find spiritual fulfillment. And that really is the heart of the heresy that's being preached here, right? What is he saying? He's saying, Paul's saying, hey, addition means subtraction, right? If I can sum it up. If anyone ever tells you that you need anything more, Simply by adding more to your faith in that way, you're actually taking away from Jesus Christ and your faith, right? So if there's anything you need to do, you need to discover the things that are you're adding and take those things away. That's the practical application of today, right? If there's anything that you're adding to your faith that's not of Christ, we need to take those things away. Otherwise, we there are there's, there's potential for us to be taken captive. So there you go. Those are the four reasons why false teaching is false. But more importantly, I hope it kind of gives you a window into not only who the evil one is and what he's trying to do, but why he's trying to do it and why it's so important that last week's message is so crucial to us and why it's a central message of Colossians. If we can live every single day thankful for the gospel, thankful for his grace, thankful for Christ, and continue to do to live every single day, making sure that He's the Lord of, over our lives, that we're simply servants and slaves for His glory, we might make it to the finish line okay. Because all Satan will ever try to do is to knock down those truths, you know, make us unthankful, you know, make us, make us the master and Christ the servant, you know, whatever. He's going to do everything they can to topple those Truths. And so I hope it not only helps you realize these things, but it, it, it like steals your heart. Steal meaning S-T-E-E-L. In a way that makes you want to be vigilant in fighting every single day, the spiritual battle. You know, life is a spiritual war. Every day is a spiritual battle. The moment Christ became Lord over your life, you became a target of the enemy. And your heart and your sinful desires become his playground, Right? So we must be vigilant in being thankful for grace and the gospel every single day. Or else we'll, we'll fall into the devil's scheme. Good things can turn into idols. Idols have the power to steal our hearts away. What is it saying? A good defense is absolutely necessary for us to live our faith faithfully. Right? I was meditating upon you know, uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18 today. And I realized something. And before I share what I realized, uh, I just want to read this passage to you. It's a very famous passage on the armor of God. Ephesians 6, 10, 18 says this. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. How encouraging that. Once, If we have the full armor, we can take our stand. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. You know, this is a very famous passage on the armor of God, you know, and it's talking directly about everything that we've talked about today, how the spiritual battle is real, how the devil has all these schemes, how the devil is constantly attacking us with flaming arrows, right? This is what we've been talking about here. And and the advice that it gives us is that we need to have a good defense. You got to put on the armor of God because armor is defense. But as I thought about it today, I thought, what is he telling us to put on here? He's telling us to put on truth, righteousness, joy, peace, salvation. That sounds like somebody, doesn't it? That sounds like Jesus. So I said, oh, wait, hold up. Maybe this passage is not really talking about a great defense, but maybe the greatest defense, or maybe it's saying that the greatest defense that we can have is to be completely and fully enamored by Christ, his joy, his peace, his righteousness, his faith, his joy, his faith, and his salvation. If these things are everything that we celebrate every single day, isn't that what's saying? It's going to guard us from the evil attacks? So the best defense against being taken captive by the evil one is to be absolutely captivated by Christ. That's it. When he is our everything, we won't need or feel the need for anything else. We'll talk about that more next week, but let me close with just three application points. The first is this. Uh, let's ask God today. Show us our blind spots. God, I'm sure there's there's certain things that I've fallen in love with. Maybe I've already given my heart to things. God, will you show me the things that could potentially become idols or already idols within my life? I don't want Satan to have a foothold on those things so that my faith will become destroyed tomorrow. Let's repent today. Repentance means aligning our hearts with God and making him the Lord of our lives. Let's do that today. Number two. Let's ask our fellow brothers and sisters to point out our blind spots. We need the church. We don't see them ourselves very well. So let's ask our brothers, hey, and sisters, hey, what are some things that you feel like I'm in love with or I'm giving my heart to, I'm giving my life to that can potentially ruin my faith, that the evil one can take a hold of and ruin me? Let's ask our brothers and sisters that. Maybe people in your CG, maybe your leaders, whatever it is. We need each other to protect each other, to help us grow. Lastly, let's pray and let's reach out to those that we probably, to whomever comes to mind when we think of those who have already been spiritually kidnapped. If there are people that you know that have been spiritually kidnapped, will you pray for them and say, God, you know, win them back to you. Somehow, some way, make Christ everything within their lives once again. The war is real.
The battle is going on now. We can either be taken captive by the evil one or we can choose to be captivated every day by Christ alone. Let's use this week and next week to really strengthen our defense against the evil one and strengthen our passion and love for Christ. Let's pray. Let's just spend our time talking to God talking about our blind spots, talking about potential ways that the evil one can use those blind spots to steal our, our faith and our heart away. If, there are, if, if you already know of areas that you've already uh, compromised, can you repent of those areas? And let's just ask for forgiveness. Know that we're forgiven and let's surrender our lives once again to make Christ Lord over all of our lives. Maybe there's some someone that came to mind when you're like, oh man, I really want to pray for that person who's been spiritually kidnapped. Will you pray for that person and ask God to give you an opportunity to love them and to care for them and to bring them back into the family? Let's pray for those two things today. Let's pray. seen so many fall away we've so many we've seen so many become victims of the world of the evil one of all these spiritual forces that are constantly fighting to draw our hearts and our souls away from you but lord i pray for everyone in this room for people who will be in this room one day father for those who were one day a part of this room god i pray that You make it clear to us every single day how amazing you are, how beautiful you are, how amazing your grace is, how amazing your love is, Father. Will you be that real to us that all we would want to do is to make you Lord over our lives and to live for you and to honor you and to make you happy? That's all we want to do. Not only because we love you, but because we know that's the greatest defense against the evil one who's constantly trying to steal our hearts away. So Lord, make us a congregation that truly loves you, that's truly in love with you, and that wants to make you great in all that we do. Father, we pray for all those that may that were once part of the church, but they've been deceived. Lord, we ask that you bring them back. 
Samai Samai, you gotta do it. You gotta like capture their hearts once again. Open their eyes to the truth and to Christ. And Father, I pray that you use my brothers and sisters in this room to do it. You know, burden their hearts with this love that would cause them to love these lost brothers and sisters of ours. And Father, even for those that are lost in this world today that never went to church, God, give us a heart and a burden to reach them as well. Lord, uh, protect us that we might be truly, that we can flourish under your Lordship. And so that we can not only discover how amazing you are while we have these lives here on earth, but God, so that we can continue to do that together as a church while we have our lives here on earth. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.